So if I'm with my wife and she's having fun and, and I'm having fun, then that's it. I don't have to justify anything. Now, I'm not going to make a tape of it. Right. And, and I, I, I tell you another thing that I didn't I, I, that got me. And, you know, if anybody wants to know, did I watch it? Yes, I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Everyday Strong with Dr. Michael G. Daniels. This is your host, C.B. Baker. And we've got a great topic today, uh, Dr. Daniels. The topic today is something that is going viral or is in the um, church community. Um, Pastor David Wilson, I do believe, a sex tape has come out. And, and everybody's got a comment on the sex tape, and then basically when you start bringing up sex in the church, then every topic gets thrown out there um, from adultery to what you can do with your wife, why why do pastors cheat? It's like it's all over, that never word it's all out there now. Right, right. That's damn. So let's just dive right into it. Um, some of the comments have been funny to me. You know, right. have been happening to me too. It's been funny. So um, why why does sex in the church just the subjects just seem to when they inter, intersect it gets people get uncomfortable you know that's a good question uh, but let me do this right let me just set the stage because everybody may not have you know may not know about what's going on with, with the sex tape uh, and not that I'm encouraging anybody to watch it but you know just so they know what, you know the, the background you know um, there was a tape um out there with a pastor, you know, as you mentioned, Dave Wilson, who, who uh, apparently has a ministry in Texas, that's uh, according to what, what all the reports say. And apparently he's caught uh, on a sex tape having um, a, a kind of lingus, I guess is the best way to put it, right. um, with, with, with someone other than his wife, you know. And, and so there are um, a lot of things that you say that came up because of that. You know, right. number one, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out who would allow, you know, someone to take them anyway? Right. That's a whole other story. Uh, but so, you know, it's, it's been out there. People have commented on it, like you said. Uh, he's defended himself, you know, saying he has a right to do it, you know, because of what he does in the neighborhood, this kind of thing. But like you said, it brings some interesting questions. Uh, and, and so, you know, why why is sex uh, a taboo in the church? Uh, <clears throat> uh, I, I don't understand why it is either, you know, to be honest with you, because right. here's what we know. We, we know that um, um, Adam and Eve uh, were intimate, that we know that because they right. had children. So right. we know that that's laid on the table. We, we know that God gave, you know, gave us that desire, you know, to, to, to engage in, in sexual relationships. So we know that's there. You know, I, I think what makes uh, church folks so hesitant to be straightforward and honest about it is because of the dynamic that the world has placed on it. And so, you know, we want to try to act like that that's worldly, even though it's not something, you know, it's, it's natural, a natural thing. So I think that's where they, you know, kind of want to draw the line as if it's not, as if it's taboo or we shouldn't talk about it. Uh, when in fact, uh, the Bible is filled with um, episodes of, of people who are not only engaged in marital sex, but extramarital sex and all those kind of things. In fact, uh, God... Um, called uh, his people a whorish people 
because he, he said that they were similar to people that go pouring after, you know, uh, other uh, other individuals. He says, and that's how you are with me. So, you know, I think it's kind of crazy to kind of push it under, under the rug, so to speak, you know. Yeah. And, we, and we've covered multiple times on just sex in general you know, amongst married people. Mm-hmm. And we've even touched on it with people who are single, how, you know, you know what the Bible says, what you shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. And but we all know about what actually takes place in, in, in reality, because mm-hmm. that's why it's in the Bible. Right. You know, <laughs> so you know, the funny thing is, is like the ironic thing is like normally if it's in the Bible, that means it's out in the world. Plentiful, right? And it's, and it's trying to get you to not do it, right? Right, or, or do it, yeah, right, right. right. You know, and, and, and here's the thing, like you said, you know, um, I've often, you know, one time I was in, in, involved with a, a, a group that was commenting on a, um, a a discussion, a marriage. It was a marriage workshop. Another pastor was doing it, a marriage workshop, and one of the people that was in the workshop came to me. Because they were concerned about what came up in the workshop. So uh, I'll leave this on the table. And I won't use the name of the pastor because he's a fine gentleman. I respect him tremendously and I, I applaud him for his work. But anyway, he was talking about the freedom uh, of enjoying oneself sexually with your spouse, you know, uh, which is in the Bible. You know, the Bible says that the marriage bed is undefiled, right. which means, you know, God, God gave you that, you know, so that you could enjoy your spouse. So he was t- telling them about the freedoms of that, you know, and how you should enjoy your spouse sexually, how you should, you know, make sure that each party is satisfied, you know, and that and that it's OK to, to, to have, uh, have have an intimate relation for the sheer enjoyment of it and not just to reproduce, which is how some folk like to look at it. Well, you know, you only do it just to reproduce. Now, let's be real. That's not that's not what the Bible says. You know, the Bible says, OK, it's OK. Uh, uh, to um, to experiment those kind of things. That's why it says the, the marriage is undefiled, meaning, you know, you do what you want to do, you right, know, and, right. and ain't nobody going to be upset, except the other folks who, who are not getting in it, they're going to get upset. <laughs> okay. Right. So anyway, in that workshop, apparently um, um, he had been doing some counseling with one of the couples who were testifying about how good his counseling was. And one of the young ladies said that, um, you know, that their sex life was now so good and she was speaking in tongues. <laughs> <laughs> so I ain't mad at her. Right. You know, I, I want to high five her, brother. I don't know right. who he is, though. Right. You know? So the person that was in the workshop came to me, you know, because she knew I was a pastor. And she said, well, you know, do you think that's right, you know, for, for, for them to, to say they were speaking in tongues? And let them, you know, all the time. I said, well, the question was, was she speaking in tongues? Right. Well, if she really was, then what's the problem? Well, that's a holy thing. That's, you know, it's a spiritual thing. And so... Uh, you know, that, you know. I said, well, listen. So you're suggesting that this young lady should not give God the glory for the relationship she has with her husband, right? You know, which to me, you know, I get it. You know, when we think of you know our, our holiness, for some reason we have to act like who we are is not a part of how God made us. So you know, to me, I viewed it as she was thanking God, saying, you know what. Hey, Lord, I just thank you for right. giving us this newfound <laughs> understanding of one another right. and, and the enjoyment we're having with one another. I didn't see anything wrong with it. I mean, you know, right. I, as a matter of fact, you know, I, 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 I you know, would, would love to have that, that guy <laughs> come and do a workshop at Enoch. Right. But I just know that, you know, that's not his thing. And uh, he's, he's a little older now, so he probably, I don't know if he's even passionate anymore now. The, the ironic thing is that 
it's a celebrate like okay having sex brings in new life mm-hmm. I can't think of anything else that we can do that's greater than bringing in new life right yeah not even, you can't even really say save it a life because they was already living. Like, they bring life to the world. Mm-hmm. It's like, so you, why wouldn't you, if a person is praising God for the baby being born, why can you praise God during the time that, in the, when it's being perceived? Well, see, I, I think what you're saying is, is the issue, right? Is that their concept is you can only praise God if the act is done to conceive. Right. You know, so if you're doing it to conceive, then you're okay. You know, that that's why God did it, because it's you know, what people tend to do, and this is what they say. I'm not saying they do it this way. Right. This is what I've heard some of the older, you know, I'm older now, but people before my generation, this is what I heard them say. Things like this. That the Bible says that we are to be fruitful and multiply. So they take that and they say that that's the only reason you should be engaging in, you know, in, in, in sexual intimacy is so you can be fruitful and multiply, which means it's okay as long as you're doing it to have a child. But in the New Testament, it says something different. You know, it doesn't discount that part of it, but it also says that the marriage bed is undefiled, which suggests that, you know, what the scripture is teaching us is that it's also there for pleasure. It's also there for entertainment. You know, and so from that regard, I think that's what people want to shy away from. They don't want to accept the fact, they don't want to accept the reality that, you know, people enjoy sexual intimacy and that it's okay to enjoy sexual intimacy because it makes them feel less holy for some reason, you know, or less spiritual. Now, we know they're doing it. Right. You know, we know that the same folk that are walking around acting like it's such an abomination, most of them are acting that way. You know, I say this now that I know this to be a fact, I haven't taken a survey. I'm just going by, you know, my experience in counseling people. Is that those who oftentimes walk around saying how much of an abomination it is, that's because they are single, you know, or because the person that they are married to, they really have a relationship that is not a, what I would call a, um, a one that's growing in grace and growing in productivity. It's almost like they're there just because they have the same last names, but that's it. You know, they're roommates, pretty right? Much. Pretty much, they're, right. Just, they're just roommates. You know, they're roommates. They may come to church together. They may do all the things together, but there is no real closeness. There is no what the Bible says, and the two shall become one. You know, uh, but but that and that's the thing is that if it says the two shall become one, then what's the what's the closest way to become one? I mean, that's the that that's right. it right there. You know, right. and so. I think we do ourselves a disservice, and I agree with what you said earlier. We do ourselves a disservice when we don't uh, help people to understand that the body is a beautiful thing, and that intimacy is a beautiful thing, and that sex is a beautiful thing when done right and with the right person. Now, uh, again, I, I don't advocate necessarily what uh, the Pastor Wilson did, because right. you know I think that certain the scriptures tell us that we should not um, go out and commit adultery, which is what apparently I don't know, but that's the implication behind the tape. Mm-hmm. And his defense of the tape would make it seem like he was committing adultery, you know, because he said to people, I'm just being real, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here. 
And he said that, you know, I have all these ministries where I'm doing outreach and such and such and such and such. So he was validating his behavior based on his ministry. So to me, if you're validating your behavior based on your ministry, it suggests that you recognize what you did was not scripturally sound. See, if he was with his own wife, then he, he wouldn't have to talk about his ministry. He would right. just simply say, that was my wife. And with my wife, I can do anything I want to do as long as she is agreeing to it, as long as she is having fun. And in, in the tape, the woman was having no fun. That's what it appeared to be anyway. Right. So if I'm with my wife and she's having fun and, and I'm having fun, then that's it. I don't have to justify anything. Now, I'm not going to make a tape of it. Right. And, and I, I, I tell you another thing that I, didn't, I, I that got me. And, you know, if anybody wanted to watch it, yes, I watched it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't be, and I couldn't believe what I saw. Now, this is why I couldn't believe it. Because I'm a grown man. Right. You know, it ain't like I don't know what's going on. Right. I couldn't believe YouTube let them put it up there. Yeah. You know, because it's, 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 it's hardcore. I didn't know YouTube would let you upload something like that and not take it down. Right. So that was my shock. Right. That YouTube had it. Not that it would be done. Because everybody's wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I lost some whole train of thought about <laughs> next question. Well, I didn't think it was going there with that one. <laughs> um, let's, let's address the other elephant in the room, which is um, in general, general state that pastors seeming to have the stereotype of stepping out on their wives and being with the people in the congregation, mm-hmm. number one. And then number two, um, this guy thinking, this pastor thinking because he's done so much in the community that it was okay mm-hmm. for him to do those things. Right. Yeah. So let's let's unpack that a little bit and let's, let's just unpack that. So is the mindset for pastors in general? Mm-hmm. I know you know a lot of pastors. Do they feel like I can do a little bit extra or I can say it a little bit more because I do so much more? Is that like a, is that a thought process or or there or is it just that pastors are human just like the everyday folk? I, I, I think it's, I, I think that I, this is where I think it because you're right, I do know a lot of pastors. Right. I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I associate with two congresses, and, and plus some of my friends are pastors, right? I think that in general, pastors are less likely to commit adultery than anybody else in the population. You know, that's what I really think based on what I see. Right. I think what happens is if a pastor does commit adultery, it is highlighted so much that it gives the appearance that all pastors are, are doing something crazy. You know. Yeah. So it doesn't take but one pastor to do something and it's going to be out there and everybody's going to say, they're going to, they're going to stereotype and they're going to apply that penalty to everyone else's out there. Right, right. You know, so, so from that standpoint, I don't think they're more likely to do it. But I do think that the ones that do it justify their wrong by saying, I deserve it. You know, whether it's the, what they do in the community or the sacrifices they make as a pastor. Because when you're the pastor, you make a lot of sacrifices. You know, there's no doubt. I don't care whether you're pastoring five people or you're pastoring 5,000 people. The sacrifices to your life is there, you know. Uh, so I think that some of, some of the ones, not all of them, but some, some of them that do that, they do justify it in that manner to themselves because what, how else can they justify it? You know, you know what the Bible says. Right. You know the Bible says that you are wrong for doing right. it. 
So you got to figure out some way to say, well, you know what, I'm, you know, I'm justified in doing it, you know, in making this happen. So I think that's what they do it. I think that's why they do it. Deep down in their hearts, they don't really believe it. I don't think they really believe it. They know that, you know, our Heavenly Father uh, doesn't care how much good you do. <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't allow you to still do something wrong because you do something good. In fact, we are told that we should be above what other folk may do, what other folk may, 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 you know, may, may tend to do. So I, I think that's, that's a key thing to look at. Are they human? Absolutely. You know, the Bible says we are all like men with like passions. So, of course, they're human, you know. And anybody that thinks they're pastor is not human, is not, is not being real. You know, I don't care how much you love your pastor. I don't care how much you put him on a pedestal. I don't care who he is. He still is real. He still has human desires, you know. And so um, that, that's just life. Now, that doesn't mean he'll give in to the desires, but he still has desires because he's a human being. I, I, you know, I, I just think that it's like any marriage um, and like any situation. And I do know a few pastors, not a whole lot, because I would say I don't know a whole lot of pastors that have stepped out on their wives, but I do know a few that have. And I can tell you from the most part, from what I have seen, is that those who have done it have done it because of a need to feel that they are wanted in more, more than just from a pastoral perspective. Gotcha. You know, and so it's like you have to kind of validate yourself a little bit. That's, that's what I get, you know, that's what I hear. It's like kind of validated, yeah, you, you know, that I, I'm still someone that's seen as a man and not just as a, a, a model, you know, per, you know, because right. it's just like every woman still wants to feel like a woman. Every man still wants to feel like a man. Right. So it, is, is being a pastor someone like somewhat like being a celebrity or in the music type industry where you have lack of better words, like groupies that you just basically have certain people you say, you know what, I need to watch myself with this one because I'm going to be put in a situation that, that's negative. Yeah, I, I, won't, I, don't, I won't necessarily say it's like being a celebrity that you have groupies, but but oftentimes um, people do view their pastors in a certain light, you know, and it's like anything. It's, it's, I mean, it's, 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 it's not just because he's the pastor. It's because of his role in the lives of the members. You know, gotcha. if, if, if any time you help a person, they start to become close to you. It doesn't matter what it is. You can be the counselor. You can be the doctor. You can be anyone. Right. If I help, if, if, if I constantly put a positive influence in your life, you will be drawn, you know, you're drawn to that person because everyone likes to feel good about themselves. And so if you're going through something, you think this person has, you know, brought you out of it for whatever reason, you become close to them. It doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's sexual. It just means you become close to them, right? Now, can people misjudge their feelings? Of course, people do it all the time. Right. You know, you think about the ladies, for example, that go to the doctor and get dressed up and put on perfume. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, like what? What? You know why? <laughs> why? <laughs> right, you know, right. Why? Why do you have to get all dressed up to go to, for a physical exam and wear perfume? It, it defies logic in my mind. But you know, women still do it, and that's just like the way things go. 
It's just like a kid that has a, has a crush on their teacher, mm-hmm. you, you know, because that teacher gave you special attention or something like that. I think that's more what it is. Uh, and, and then there are, again, pastors, are, you know, whether female or male, you know, pastors are human beings. And just like any other human being, if someone continually makes you feel good, you know, if, if they always are complimenting you, you know, pastor, you're so nice, pastor, you're so this, you're so that. Everyone likes to feel good about themselves. So if a person is making you feel good, you will tend to want to spend more time with them. Right. Not, not because you're trying to, you know, necessarily have a race, race it with them, but those are the ones you gravitate to. Right. You don't gravitate to the people in the church that's always called you problems. <laughs> that's right. You know, who right. wants to feel bad about themselves? So I think, you know, that is, that's really in my mind, you know, what, what it equates to. And so do you have to be very careful? Absolutely. I just think whether you're a pastor, whether you're a manager, you know, right. or own your own business or whatever, you, you have to be careful because of your position, you know, and because of your position, you know, for everybody, whether you are a pastor, whether you are a deacon, whether you own your company, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a lawyer, there is all, there are all, there, there, there will always be an opportunity presented to you. Mm-hmm. Because I say, if you make someone feel good long enough, they'll want to be around you. Our charge then is to understand that, you know, that's what's going on and understand why, you know, to, to not try to abuse, because that's what I look at it as being. Don't try to abuse that because it's easy to abuse it, and that's what you don't want to do. And just like, think about how, how many cases you, you find about gynecologists, for example, that end up having, you know, right. intimate with their patients because they abuse that connection. You know, I think that's the thing, the thing we have to be careful about. Yeah, definitely that, that definitely can play a role in a lot of stuff. Now, let's go back a little bit with the the compliments. And we talked we talked before in the, in the marriage series about women and men leaving that door open, so to speak, because they're not paying attention to their spouse. Mm-hmm. You can get to the point where you're 10, 15 years into the marriage and stop doing or saying the things that you say in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You've always said, what you do it in the beginning? Yeah, then you got to keep doing that. That's right. Because if you don't, you leave the door open for uh, Jimmy or Samantha, mm-hmm. you know, or 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 Shaniqua. That's right. Right. And, and, right. And then people know what she doing. Right. And you end up in that scenario. And next thing you know, you're waist deep in it. And you don't realize you're waist deep in it because you was, like you said, I like what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. I don't get this at home. Then you start being mad and resentful. Like, why don't you blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And where is this coming from? And I know from you counseling people, I know you could probably pick up on it so fast. As soon as you, as soon as they said, I start talking, like, I don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take three, three or four minutes. And, yeah. and, and, you know, I might give them more than three or four minutes, but it doesn't take the three or four minutes for you to pay them. And, and, and that raises an interesting question. And you're right, because here's the thing. Most people get married because of lust and not because of love. That's the bottom line. You know, we always say, I love you, I love you. No, that ain't it. Most people get married because of lust. Because there are very few people that get married, very few. I'm not saying they aren't some, I'm saying very few, that get married without having tested the water first. Mm-hmm. You know, most folks treat a, treat a, treat a spouse, but they treat a car. 
I'm gonna test drive you first, right. you know, and then I'm gonna make a decision whether I'm gonna marry you. Okay, now, so d- during that time frame, people tend to do anything. To get, you know, to get you. That's right. You know, they yeah. can do anything. The, the woman is going to go all out. You know, and we're just going to be real. You know, the woman is going to go all out. She's going to do some things that you didn't think she was going to do. <laughs> she's going to be hanging with the ceiling fan and, right. and all this kind of stuff going to be <laughs> right. going on. The guy going to do some things he normally wouldn't do. You know, all this kind of stuff. Uh, during that period, because everybody's auditioning for that job, right? Then, like you say, five, ten years in the road, down the road, yeah, okay, now it's like, well, you know, you got some kids or whatever, or this two right. down the road. Now it's like, okay, I'm over here. Right. Come on, let's get this thing over because I got to go to work in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, or whatever. Right. After a while, you get back to that mundane thing. But the question then to me is this, is that who is responsible for putting spice back into the relationship? Mm. You know, who, who should be spicing it back up? And I think that's the dynamic that we don't kind of address in right. church. Right. You know, we don't address it just in general. We have like this taboo to talk about, you know, the idea of spicing up that bed, you know. Consider Song of Solomon, for example. That's one of the books in the Bible. Very sensual book in the Bible. Very sensual. Rarely, I personally, I've never heard a preacher preach on it. Personally, I've never heard a preacher preach on it. You know, I've only done it a couple of times myself. Right. Song of Solomon is a very sensual book where Solomon describes the love of some a woman that is so uh, sexually appealing to him that he can't take it. You know, he talks about her figure. He talks about um, the, the voluptuousness of her breasts. He talks about, you know, all, all these kind of things about it. And she thinks she's ugly. That's the irony. In her mind, she's ugly. Right. Okay. But he's saying, you know, what you see, see, I don't see. I see his beauty. And what he describes is lust. Basically, he, he calls it love, but the description is lust, right? basically. So what I'm saying is that for some reason, we have not included that in our counseling. Generally speaking, again, right. I'm not saying everybody doesn't. It's like we're afraid to talk about it. It's like we're afraid to talk about when people come and say, hey, listen, what's going on in your sex life? What are y'all doing to spice it up? You know, are, are you still doing the same thing now that you did 10 years ago? Right. Because if you're doing the same thing that you did 10 years ago, yes, somebody bored. Yeah. And somebody going to seek some excitement. And if somebody else say they're going to give you some excitement, you know, it kind of puts a temptation on you. So I think both husband and wife have an obligation, especially when you are constantly faced with, you know, a situation where you might fall, you know, then I would say this to every woman out there and every man out there. If your spouse is in a situation where you know that they are constantly bombarded by the opposite sex or whatever they may, whatever, you know, whatever their sexual preference is, if they're constantly bombarded by that which might tempt them, don't get mad at them. Compete so you are always the winner. Right. You know, See, we have a tendency to get mad and say, why are you looking at that person? Or she just flirting around you. Or he just, he hugged you a little bit too tight. Okay, why get, and we'll get mad and won't talk to our spouse. Right. We'll brush them off. We're just, really what we're doing is pushing them to the other person. Right. And what we ought to be doing, if she got on a tight dress, fine, let her wear her tight dress. But when he get home, you put on your stuff. Right. You know, you put on that stuff that you know going to blow his mind. Right. And I'll say this, then we'll turn back over to you right quick. 
I was I was at a, a comedy show. It's been a long time ago. I was at a comedy show um, back, you know, when I, I guess I'd probably been married maybe three or four years. Maybe a little longer. I guess, yeah, my son was born, so it was probably about four or five years. And we're at a comedy show, and the comedian comes on stage, and I can't think of her name. Adele Givens, that's what the comedian Oh, you already know this is going to be yeah. very good. And so <laughs> she was talking, she's literally talking to the women out there for a minute. Mm-hmm. She said, you know, all of you all get upset when your man go hang out with the boys and when he go to the club by himself because you know he's going looking for somebody. She said, let me tell you what I do. She said, I iron his best clothes and I lay him out on the bed. And I said, honey, I got your clothes ready. I got your cologne ready. Go ahead and take your bath. Get ready to go on out and have a good time. And she said, I let him take his bath, let him do everything. She said, but right before he get ready to put his clothes on, I come in there and say, let me give you a little something. The tie joke until you come back. She said, when I finish with him, he put his thumb in his mouth and lay down and go shoot. All right. You know, what she's saying makes sense, right? If you don't want the person to go out, then give them a reason to stay home. <laughs> right. It's it's too simple. You know, it's I wonder I wonder why Pastor Daniels who I'm gonna ask you this question. Who is responsible for spicing up the bed between the male and the female? Scripturally it's the male. Now scripturally it's the male. Because the Bible says that our job is to respond to our wife the way Christ responds to us, right? And the way Christ responds to us is what he supplies all of our needs. That's what Paul says. I right. am going to be persuaded that he, he will supply all of my needs, right? So that that's scripturally, so that means that it is certainly in the husband's best interest as well, but it's also his job to do that. Now, while it's his job to take the lead, let me suggest to the wife that the scripture also says in Proverbs, that her that, that she should respond to her husband in such a way that he should have no need or spoil. And when it says no need or spoil, it means exactly what the implication is. You should be to him sexually so that he has no reason to step out and go see somebody else. Right. So while it is the man's job to take the lead, it does not take away the woman's responsibility to ensure that she responds in such a way that you don't want to go anywhere. Right. You know. So. To, to me, that's that you know, and if you do that, I mean, think about that if you if you really did that, you know, if if if, and I don't know um, this pastor, don't know him at all, but I can tell you this is that it takes effort to do what he did. Oh yeah, right. It takes effort to do what he did. Now, he was not doing it for his own gratification, and that at least what was in the tape, he did what he did for her gratification, mm-hmm. right? Right. So now. Apparently, she had all either she had already gratified him, or he knew it was coming. Right? If I if I satisfy you, you gonna satisfy me. Right. Well, here's what we know. Bottom line is this: anatomically, there's not a whole lot of difference in each of us. Right. I mean, yeah, I know there are little differences, and you know, people say, "Well, somebody got wear this size, somebody wear that size." Okay, fine. But I mean, generally speaking, right? You know, now. What if he put the same effort in the in the door with her, with his with his own wife, right? Right. And what if his wife made a decision that whatever that woman is doing, I'm going to do, but I'm going to do it one better, right? So my thing is this: um, if to the women in church, don't get so holy 
that you can no longer do what you did before you got holy. Right. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and same thing to the men. <laughs> you right. know. So now, what, so are you saying that, that according to what you're saying, the women out there, what I, most women I know, might have an issue if the man went to Adam and Eve and came back with a bunch of trinkets and, and uh, things to spice up the bedroom. Mm-hmm. So are you saying that basically at that moment, really, should y'all go together or the female just go? Like how, how does a, because I know the typical man ain't going to go into an Adam and Eve store and be like, hmm, looking at the wall mm-hmm. and be like, well, I don't know what she would want because I already know. Because most men are going to look at it, well, I ain't giving them that size because <laughs> I'm not that size. They won't start that. Right, right. See, here's how I look at it. I, I think that most marriages, we are afraid. You know, again, I'm just, you know, put it out there. Right. I think people are more apt to tell a person they're not married to all their inner secrets and desires than they are the person yeah. they're married to. That makes no sense to me. Yeah. It just doesn't. It makes no sense to me. It's almost like we're embarrassed, you're embarrassed to tell your spouse, this is what I really want. Right. This is what I really like. And I think that's why some people cheat. So because they, they feel that freedom when they're with the other person. They right. can do all the stuff right. that they are nervous about telling their wife. Because like the woman may for and this is just an you know example, the woman may not want her husband to know, I know all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So he can ask, where, where you learn that from? Right. Girl, I thought you were the virgin when I met you, you know, whatever. Right. Or the man may not want to tell his wife that because he's afraid that she's going to say, you dirty dog, you really right. want me to do that, or you really right. want to do that. You know, So we get afraid. But see, again, that's our, that's the churches, a part of the churches need to be helping people to understand, right. is that, that the bed is undefiled. Right. So let's talk about it. Let's, let's put it on the table. Right. Let, well, now you get married, you got to let him out of the cage. That's right. You know, <laughs> open the door and let him in. Right. Let's talk about what your really secret desires are, what you really want, or what you really you know need from me. What does make you happy? What does not make you happy? So if I do go, you know, to the store, I right. get what makes you happy. Right. You know, not just what makes me happy, what makes you happy, and and I get it. And and for some people, you could, might have to break on me and slow. Right, because some people may not have had those experiences, or they may have been sheltered, and so they need to kind of, you know, let me. Then some people, you know, what they had all of those experiences while they were in college. Mm-hmm. Then they got married, and they, you know, they wanted to let the person know when I was in college. I was, I was bubbling wild, right, right, you know, or whatever they were. If you didn't go to college, but when I was younger, you know, but we had to have these conversations realistically without downing the person because of their past. I think that's a part of the fear. You know, it's like, well, well, how many people did you really with before I married you? Or well, where'd you get this from? You know, that it's not important. Yeah. We need to get away from being worried about how you learn or what you learn and just say, what do you want from me? You know? And then we can we then we can go together because we've been talking about it. Or I don't need to go with you. I can surprise you, you know, right. and so forth and so on. You know, kind of thing. But you gotta talk before you go. Okay, and here's why I'm saying that. If all of a sudden you come home and your <laughs> wife got all these toys, right? Then it was, wait, oh, wait a minute, now. right, right. Who told you to get the wheel? Right. Who told you? What, <laughs> what happened between last week and the day? You know, right, right. Because then you wonder, you know, you're wondering now what made her do it all of a sudden, right? You know what I'm saying? That's why you gotta have a talk, gotta have a conversation. 
You know, that reminds me of that movie, Which Way Is Up, Richard Pryor. Right, right, right. right yeah, <laughs> when right. he showed up, she had yeah. yeah. the whole outfit, right. the whip. Yeah. Right. For the, I know I'm, I'm dating myself with that one. Yeah, yeah. But hey, but some, hey, the, some folks in my generation, they know exactly what you're talking yeah. about, right? Yeah, but that's, that's the thing, you know. So we got to be open. We got to lay it out there. We got to talk about it. Can't be afraid of it. And because, you know, the bottom line, as I said, you know, um, consider this. There were no televisions that yeah. when uh, Paul wrote the statement. What did they have for entertainment but each other? Yeah. You know, that's bottom line. Now, that, that makes your relationship a little more solid. Yeah, it does. I, I've always told people, I said, if you want your relationship to get better, go from a king-size bed down to a full-size bed. That's right. And take the TV out of the room. That's right. And it, it, it will magically start getting better. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. I, I you know, t- uh, a two-bedroom house will give you more problems than you need. Yeah. You know, not saying you couldn't have two-bedroom, but I'm just saying. You think about when you were really close to your spouse, it's like you said, when you didn't have all the luxuries that you have now. Right. That's right. All right, that was a good topic. I'm pretty sure, Pastor, we're going to hear a bunch of feedback on this one. This was quite good and funny. Thank you so much. Hey, take some time out now that you're listening and watching this and subscribe and hit the little bell to get notified on YouTube when we drop a video. Thank you all so much. This is your host, C.B. Baker. Till next time.